He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before, and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. Worst golf shot. No, answer the question. That's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. We've done it. We've only gone and bloody well done it. We've recorded a podcast. And welcome along to that very podcast, the first and probably the last RACDG podcast. My name is Gary and I'll be joined in this conversation alongside the president of the RACDG, the producer of Sharknado 4 and a man with as many name drops as penalty drops to his name, Crawford Anderson Dillon. And alongside him will be the only man who's ever had a legitimate, genuine putt on the 18th hole for the much-lauded Mega Bonus. Rob will be talking plenty about the Mega Bonus and what on earth that means, as well as be talking about the RACDG and what on earth that is. We'll be looking at the genesis of the group, how it all got started and how it's grown pretty mentally over the last year or so. We'll be covering all the big events, the majors, the meets, uh, and what we've got coming up. Over the next couple of months, we'll be looking at things like merch, talking about the WhatsApp, Discord, all the stuff that's going on on a day-to-day basis and how uh, a guy eating a packet of crisps in a crowd was the, the funniest thing any of us have seen this week. Basically, this is a podcast for us, done by us, talking about us. Going to be a bit of fun each week and I think this very first conversation that we've already recorded that I'll be throwing you across to in a minute or so actually worked out really pretty well and has got some really fun moments in it. We want your guys' feedback, so obviously if you've taken a bit of time out of your day to listen to it, do let us know what you thought about it and the sort of stuff that we could add in as the weeks hopefully go on. Uh, Through the weeks we're going to have some of you guys on, there's so many people that have got jobs in golf and even just interesting jobs in general or big hot spicy dirty takes to soothe our ear holes with, so there's fucking loads to look forward to over the coming months, but for now, do sit back, take an hour out of your day, relax and listen to me, Crawford and Rob ranting on about all things RACDG. So at this point, I'm going to throw it over to me. Me, take it away. Okay, hello and good evening, good afternoon, good morning. I'm here, my name's Gary, I'm alongside El Presidente, uh, the main man himself, the car destroyer, the back garden raider, Crawford. Hello. Brandon! (laughs) I'm the only man who's ever had a legitimate putt for the mega bonus in the last year, Rob. Rob, good evening to you. Good evening, Gary. So this podcast, as we say, is our very first ever Royal and Ancient Company of Dishonourable Golfers podcast. We are woefully, woefully unprepared for this. So Rob, I'm going to hand over to you as the man with that poorly, poorly sketched out plan. And what are we starting with today? Where are we going? What are we talking about? Just bear in mind, Rob, that this is the first one. So this is important. You've got to get this right. Set the tone. The pressure's on. It was very similar to the 18th green at Millbrook Golf Club over that mega bonus part. Anyway, I think uh, 
Talk us through that first, Rob. Rob, screw, screw the plan. We've not even got to point number one in the plan, but let's screw the plan, right? <laughs> We're going straight to mega bonus. We'll, we'll talk that okay. straight away, right? Because to be honest, that's the only thing I know about you. So <laughs> I, I want to learn more about it. I know that you wear a nice cardigan um, by With Zoom. Lovely pop cardigan. But at the same time, I want to know a little bit more about this mega bonus attempt. So for those of you who maybe don't know the mega bonus attempt, it's loosely based on the No Laying Up podcast, their mega bonus attempt when two of their members, uh, Randy and Neil, go to a golf course and if any of them break par, it's called the mega bonus. They win a couple of hundred dollars. We kind of bastardized that slightly for our own means. Everybody sticks a fiver in a pot. Depending on your handicap, there's a different magic number. Rob, what's your handicap and your magic number? Six and break par at the time. Right. Just going up to seven. Sandbagger. 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 But you are the only man still officially to have ever had a putt on the 18th green to win the mega bonus. Talk us through that. Well, I'll be honest with you at the time, I think uh, Crawford was more excited than me um, <laughs> because he was literally filming every single shot and putting it into our very famous WhatsApp group. So it was great, actually. I really enjoyed it. I uh, really enjoyed the challenge. I think, uh, who else do we have with us, Crawford? Chris? And yeah, and Davey. Dave. The day before, your Sunningdale adventure. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a bit of a come down for you guys playing Millbrook Tuesday and then Sunningdale Wednesday. But, you know, these things happen. What was the part at the last? What was it? How, how far was it? How close were you? So the, the R18 is very tough. It's uh, about 450, generally into wind, trees on the right-hand side, out of bounds on the right-hand side, trees on the left, uh, and then all out of bounds to the right of the green and long of the green. So A lot of excuses. A lot of excuses. Well, I, mean, I was getting them in early, but I had just birdied 17 to be one over par. So I think, uh, yeah, and I stiffed a nine iron to about two foot Crawford, right? So I think, uh, I think the excitement levels were quite high. Uh, yeah, well, like I, I've known I've known Rob for what, fifteen years, and uh, we played a lot seems of golf longer. together. And uh, interesting, <laughs> seems like a lifetime. <laughs> but um, the, the the number of words that I've got in in those fifteen years, <laughs> I could write the Bible fifteen times over. Um, yeah. But um, the thing is, interestingly, the, the mega bonus. Well, we started it, Gary. What in January? Is it January, February? Yeah. Kind of time we started it. Um, and, started. And at, yeah, and at the, we kind of scrabbled something together in terms of rules. And one of the issues at the time was everyone thought, "Oh, this is going to be really easy. Like everyone's going to break this. Like every month On paper, it's going to happen." It looks easy. It is, but they, and now we're like eight months later. Okay, we had a two-month break in the middle of it, but even so, of all the people that have tried it, Rob is the only one that's actually had a putt to win it. Nobody's even got close other than that. Um, and a huge part of it is because the way it's set up, it's about it's about pressure. It's about handling that pressure. And that's what's fun about it because, you know, what's his name? Like Dave H, he goes out and regularly shoots like two or three under. In the mega bonus, <laughs> so not even got close. He's not, everyone falls apart on the 13th. Dave well, was you've like, got to call it as well, haven't you? You've that's got to it. call so you it got before to- you go. That's it. You've got to call it before you go, so you know you're doing it. You've got to call in on the 13th tee to give everyone an update. If you're doing well, your playing partners are supposed to kind of tell everybody as you go around you're doing well. And if it's on after 13, you're supposed to kind of sort of call in every shot so that everyone knows, like, going down the last hole where you are and what's happening. And people just fall apart. But the thing is, as I said, I've known Rob for a long time, and he's the only person that I know who plays better when the pressure is on than when it isn't. 
most of us enjoy playing golf with our mates, and then the minute it's a competition, we fall apart. Rob's shit when you're playing with just me. He couldn't give a, he couldn't give a bugger. He's hitting the trees. He's like, hacking out. Doesn't care. The minute All it's right. a competition, Steady on. I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but the minute it's a competition, suddenly he fucking comes alive. So See, my thought, been, my thought would have been at the start was that maybe the lower handicappers, when they've got that kind of par level there, they maybe wouldn't have been able to breach par. But the guys at the higher handicap, you know. You know your you know your mid to high handicaps. You know your guys are 15, 16, 17. Every now and again, they've got a world in them. They've got a seventy five in them. So That's I thought right. by now we would have definitely had somebody do it. We've now got what from twenty people in the mega bonus pot to like a hundred people in the mega bonus pot. So absolutely no doubt about it. When we get to the turn of the year, we're going to have to adapt this, change it a little bit, make it a little bit more rigid because it is pretty airy fairy at the moment. But the fact <laughs> that it was so haphazardly and so shitly thrown together, <laughs> I believe I wrote the rules on the toilet one day in work. So it's so haphazardly <laughs> thrown together and still nobody's fucking done it yet. That that really speaks to like how the pressure gets to people. How much is in the pot? I don't, I've not even looked. Um, I'm pretty sure the, the account that John runs has got about 15 and a half grand in it. I'm not sure how much of that is attributed to the <laughs> no, megaphone. It, it, no, it's not that, it's not that much. It's, well. only, it's only like 300 quid because it's only a fiver each. Um, so it's not it's not huge money. But it's um, but what we're, we're hoping to do is that... The it's the fucking the glory of it. It's the fucking glory. It's nothing to do with it. I wouldn't care less about the money, genuinely. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> care about the money. I just but wanted to make Crawford th- happy. <laughs> Funny enough, that's what my wife says every time we make love. <laughs> the mega bonus get fucking beat more often than that, mate. <laughs> so Crawford, what what changes what changes are you going to bring in, or what we're we looking at changing? Oh, well, the thing is, we're, we're waiting for some, some somebody to win the fucking thing, and then yeah. we can kind of legitimately go out and make some changes. But we're we're going to change. I think. The, the, the barrier that you have to break in order to get it so yeah. that the people who are kind of you know, there's a couple of guys now are playing off plus numbers scratch and plus yeah. numbers so like they have to have a decent target to go for and then similarly the people off like 16 17 18 need to have something that's a realistic target rather than having you know three over par 13 under half 14 under handicap but the big thing is that we're going to change it so at the minute it's once you've paid in once you get to do it two times a month, and that's it. Um, but we're yeah. going to we change about your wife. Are we still talking about your wife here. We're in the mega bonus. <laughs> Back to two mega times a month. Are you kidding? <laughs> you mean two times a decade? <laughs> but, uh, uh, we're going to change it so that every time you want to do it, you got to stick in a fiver. So that that amount of money gets up. But like, if it goes on for six months or a year, you'll end up with like a thousand pounds in there. Yeah. Imagine having that putt, a three foot putt for fifteen hundred quid, and everyone watching you. It's what we dream about when we're young, bragging well, yeah. rights and what. Deal. But there was a time, say maybe this time last year, when we kind of started the idea where statistically I was genuinely the best golfer in the group. And then people played with me and that whole notion went out the window. But statistically, <laughs> I think I was off four at that time. And that was, a, I think me and Matt Wabe were joint low men in the group. But now, as you said, there's about 15, 20 guys off 2-1 scratch and that sort of thing. So I think we now need to move it to something along the lines of oh, you need to shoot I've six under idea. your handicap. I've Go. got an idea. We kick him out. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Make Gary great again. <laughs> we statistically the best golfer in the group. There'll be nobody left. There will be nobody left. Smash that shite button. Right. In... Limited words, can we kind of describe what this is? What is no. the RACBG? 
Crawford, go Most for it. Crawford, listen. The limited words might be an issue here, but... <laughs> it's a big issue. Zoom meet, Zoom meet in his 40 minutes. So <laughs> give us a bit of a general for all those crazy people that aren't in the flock that are listening to this and say, can we say, general, what has been going on in the past? What is happening now? And what plans do we have for the I think, future? Rob, there's a lot of people in the flock as well who don't really know what they're in. Yeah. Which is part of the problem. Yeah. But I don't know that 5,000 text messages a day, they should know. I don't think anyone knows. They're in some sort of massive politics and cars (laughs) chat. (laughs) Beep that one out. Don't beep the words. But yeah, Crawford, you can give us as good and as good. From the president. president. I'll I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. I started it about two years ago. It's an idea that I've had long before that I remember I was speaking to you about it Rob once a couple of yeah. years like a few years before that with the name that I had the Rolling, on, oh, Rolling Ancient <clears throat> Company for Dishonorable Golfers which was just a, a piss take of the pomposity of the RNA and, and, uh, and Muirfield um, which I thought would be quite fun to do and then uh, I was on the No Lane Up Refuge board and I was talking to some of the American guys and they were asking me about golf societies in the UK because I'm a member of another one over here and uh, they asked me like how it works and what it's like and, and, and shit and um, I just kind of said why don't we just start one and then some of them said yeah it's a great idea so I wrote the constitution I was in my golf club and it was an afternoon I wrote it in an afternoon stole it on the website uh, stole it <laughs> plonked it on the website and um, I was, and I kind of expected like 20-30 people to say yeah let's get into this and then about 200 signed up in a week so that and then that's how it's done now there's about probably 900 something like that of us around the world and then it's all split up into different chapters so we're the uk or the gbni chapter although we've got members from holland belgium luxembourg uh spain ireland uh finland norway it's a very european chapter isn't it yeah it is we have i mean ultimately i suppose if you ended up with you know hundreds of us in there and a bunch of other groups from other countries, they could go off and start their own up. Um, but look, that was, you know, I, I kind of had this idea to just start it and, it, and and it came from there. But fundamentally, every one of us, or, all, or not every one of us, most of us are members at other golf clubs, and we have lots of people that we play golf with. But most, but most of those people aren't quite as into it as we are. So you quite often you'll, be, you know, you'd find yourself talking about stuff that you're geeking out on, and the guys you're playing with, who your mates don't really care um and it's it's for those people it's for, it's for the people who kind of are much more into golf nerdery than the people that they play with in the local club and it's to give them someone to talk to and things like you know most people want to go off on a golf trip to like Celtic Manor or or, or the Belfry and pay or 100 princess. quid or print yeah well what the princess is all right though although Ryan hates it it's all right um, but yeah, they want to go to places, spend a hundred quid, get shit faced, and it's not really about the golf course. It's, it's just about kind of hanging out. And, yeah. and I wanted to find some way of finding people that, if I wanted to go to Scotland to Royal Dornoch and pay extra money and drive ten hours together, people that I could do that with. Yeah. Um, and I kind of thought if I can get a group of ten, fifteen, twenty people, then that would be it. That would be great. Uh, and it turns out that there are an awful lot of us who have that same need. We all kind of wish that we had people that would just drop everything to go off on a crazy run and, and to go and spend extra money playing somewhere special because um, that would be exciting. And none of us have that in our normal lives. So that's what it's for. It, it, it gives all of us an opportunity to find a group of people to nerd out with and to go and play golf with. And I think, correct me if I'm completely miles off it here, but 
it was maybe about this time last year, it was fairly consistent at maybe like 30, 20 or 30 people or something like that. And it was maybe about this time last year when everything went a bit fucking mental, as they say, as we went into the kind of winter time. Um, I can remember when we're getting into November, December time, that's when Mackenzie got booked for St Andrews, yeah. which obviously didn't happen due to everything else happening. But that was when we got from 30, 40 to 50. And then I remember distinctly around about December, January time, it hit 100 and everybody was kind of like, fuck. There's a lot of people in here now. There's a lot yeah. of people in this same sort of weird little cove of the internet that we're in at the moment. You've got, you say 900 people. Is that across the world? Yeah, so there are, I think, 27 chapters now. So there's 18, wow. uh, no, 20, 21 in America. About to be more, because I'm about to, uh, to chop up Texas into four different groups, um, but and the Midwest as well. Uh, but there's across America, Canada, uh, there's one in Argentina, there's one in South Africa, there are two in Australia, one in New Zealand. Um, talking to someone about starting one in Hong Kong, uh, and then GB and I. Yeah. So what? And like, and you know, so at the minute I've been kind of concentrating on making the GB and I work, but then once Jan- Grandly takes over as the captain in January, I'm going to spend a bit more time organizing stuff with the other chapters yeah. just to get that working better but in a perfect world i'd love it to be a situation where if you like you're a member of one you're a member of them all so wherever you're traveling in the world for work or, or just pleasure you, you can contact somebody in another chapter wherever you're going and then you're automatically hooked into their network of people to go and play with and games that you can get and events you can go to and, and what i really want to do is to get some banter between the groups the chapters so that we can all like play matches of a lot some of the guys from you know new york to get 10 of them they come over to europe next year you know to play in scotland and we kind of we we get 10 people to go and give them a game and have a bit of a bit of a match for a couple of days that'd be really fun but that's the beauty isn't it that's the that's the usp that other golf societies don't really have is at the moment this is mainly the uk but you're talking around about the world you could literally go fucking anywhere in the uk right now anywhere and be hosted at a golf club, a good, good golf course by somebody and pay whatever the member guest rates are and get put on. I'm sure everybody's got lovely guest bedrooms and that sort of stuff as well. But you could literally rock up anywhere in the UK right now, fire a message into a WhatsApp chat and get a game with somebody like-minded to yourself. Absolutely. I think, um, so not only is it the group, what else is going on? Because I think, you know, we've got competitions going on, there's majors going on. What, what, Every year, is there what you would class majors? Can you tell us yeah, a bit so, about that? So, I mean, just a bit of the history of it. So the first time any of us got together was we played the first McKenzie Cup in 2019 um, in Allwoodley and Moortown. And there were seven of us. Um, and that was pretty much everyone that was in the group at the time. Uh, and then the next event we did was the shot, which was in November last year, November 2019. So just a year ago. Uh, and there were eight of us. So there's one extra person. There's a few people who wanted to come and just couldn't make it that weekend. So there are a few extra people in the group, but it's still only eight of us. And then by the time we got to the McKenzie in April, there were supposed to be 44 of us. So yeah. they kind of exploded for, to that. So now we've got to the point, we've got four, we've now done two extra majors this year. So there's the McKenzie, uh, which is supposed to be at Old Woodley and Moortown every year. McKenzie's first and second track. Uh, Drew, we decided to move it to um, St Andrews to meet up with the No Laying Up official group that were going up there the same week. And we're still doing that 
this year coming to 2021 they're there the same week now that we'll be there um, and then we'll go back to Moortown and Woodley. and then we've got um, the Cock of the North which Russ started and again this was, was just that was wicked that was so good yeah I mean and this is I've always said that like I, yeah, I, I kind of joke and say that like I have a massive ego, which is very, very true, but you I'm do. very I'm very aware of it, so I kind of laugh at myself about it. Um, and I, so, but because of that, I've always said that like, I hate groups where like you get people who are in charge and then they kind of want to be over like you know, deciding everything. It just fucking pisses me off. So like this whole group is not like that. The whole group is like if you turn up and you've got an idea, just fucking just go with it. Like no one, no one's gonna demand that you kind of put it in front of the committee or the board of directors to decide whether it's happening. So Russ just basically said, I'm a member at Woodall Spa, should do an event at Woodall Spa, and everyone, so during lockdown, everybody went, yeah, I'll do that. And there were about yeah. 40, again, 44 of us um, in Woodall Spa, and it was a, it turned into a three-day event, which was super fun. So we're going to do that again every year, and um, we're not sure where it's going to be next year. Ultimately, it's up to Russ, who's the kind of founder of that one, and ultimately Grantley, who'll be the captain next year to decide finally where that's going to be. Might be Allwoodley and Moortown. That's the most likely place in the minute. I feel like the best part about the cock was um, grown men uh, meeting each other, grown middle-aged men meeting each other at the the uh, doors of toilets, asking if they were there for the cock. Um, (laughs) I feel when you've got a golf competition where you can offer that sort of experience to people... And that sounds uh, like really a joke, but I'm pretty sure that genuinely happens. It, 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 happened, it happened at toilet doors. It happened <laughs> in the way into a men's toilet. One man said to another, are you here for the cock? But he said, he said, I saw two guys that had no laying up towels. I thought they must be here for cock. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't. <laughs> We've had almost an entire year of just innuendo and pun. <laughs> that never stops. And that's why we name the events what we name the events. <laughs> well, we're, we've got uh, moments like that. We've got an invitational happening at Thetford in in a few weeks, which is called the burning the Bernard Matthews Invitational. <laughs> no, no, no other reason than just because it's in East Anglia, and that's where Bernard yeah. Matthews keeps all of his turkeys. <laughs> yeah. We think yeah. the trophy is going to be a turkey, but we're at that point. So we have, anyway that the cock. Then the other one was the Kaluna Cup. So Mark Giles has been one of the members right from the very start. He lives in. Um, uh, I'm talking about in the third person, but he's actually recording this podcast, so he's very quietly sitting in the background with unmute, saying nothing, nodding his head, but um, laughing, uh, laughing. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not that funny, but Mark. <laughs> um, uh, Mark, uh, he lives in Spain. He's a teacher in Spain, and he was supposed to be back this summer. And he's like, "Boys, I'm coming back. I'm going to play lots of good golf." So he said, "I fancy doing a day at Sunningdale. Who wants to join me?" And, and then it turned into a thing. And then Mark put together another event, which we then became the fourth major, which we called the Kaluna Cup. Kaluna is the Latin word for Heather. We thought we'll have it on a Heathland course every year in the summer. Um, so then Mark put it together as a 36 whole day and organized the entire thing, and then. <laughs> And then Spain got put on the on the no fly zone, and he couldn't come to his own event. What I really liked was the juxtaposition between one event being called after a man's dick, and then the other event being a nice Latin word for Heather. <laughs> a, really, a really nice mix, there. which pretty much sums up the entire RICG, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> 
contrast. Um, the good thing is that um, Mark was very happy that um, the golf gods um, punished us all for not including him in his own event, and it absolutely pissed the fucking rain the entire day. Uh, so that was brutal. But that was won by a guy called Pete Chapman, who's in the group, and he's now known as the Heathlander for the rest of the year. Um, and what was and also awesome about that, Crawford, sorry to jump in, what was also really good about that was throughout that whole competition, there was maybe 30 or 40 of you at Sunningdale, but we also had the live scoreboard set up online. Yeah. So throughout that, yeah. we had a tote and we had a live scoreboard. People were betting on random fucking 14 handicappers to go win golf tournaments and they were putting real live money on it to win proper bets back. And then like a bunch of complete virgins, we were all sitting with the live leaderboard on our computer screens, updating it to see what a random guy down in a golf course that we weren't visiting was getting on at the eighth and ninth and tenth hole, so that was that's when I kind of thought the the obsession had dipped a little bit into something <laughs> quite something dark. perverse. But yeah, it's not obsession anymore. It's, Crawford, it's did fetish. you not win? Did you not win the the total in that? I, I did. Yeah, yeah, four hundred and seventeen pounds. Fucking hell! There's something dodgy with that, right? <laughs> the the president is the only person that backs the so, person so, that wins so, it. No, so Pete didn't Come even on. back himself. He didn't even back himself. If he'd backed himself, Why did you he, back he would have got then? 200. Questions I, need to be asked. Because um, I, I kind of have a, a formula. So I put a tenner on and I put two quid on two people that are like good golfers under five, two quid on myself and then two quid on people that are kind of 10 to 13 because a, a 13 handicap can always have a good day and go low and go yeah. seven or eight shots under the handicap where it's quite difficult for someone who's like off three to go seven shots under the handicap and equally people who are like 18 19 like me are almost rarely do that so i just i looked at the list and who was off like 12 or 13 saw pete didn't know anything about him and just thought fuck it picked his name at random and they didn't even pick himself because he didn't know he had a toad <laughs> If you were a good man, if you were a good man, you would have given him a cut of those winnings that four hundred and seventeen. I know, Gary. Now, I Gary, don't know what it, you did with them, but Gary, if I was a good man, I would have done. But we all know that I'm a greedy <laughs> bastard, <laughs> and I used and I used every penny of it to pay for more golf. KFC got fucking ransacked that weekend, Crawford, <laughs> didn't it? No, buckets underneath you know, the arms and all sorts. It all went on, other, on more golf. It's like feeding my, my junkie habit, just like stealing from a granny to pay for my green fees. <laughs> we'll come back. It's in play. Little, little, simply. I want to ask Gary, and I'm sure he will tell me and everyone else about the famous WhatsApp group. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier on, but I came into this WhatsApp group maybe a year ago, just over a year ago now, and there was maybe like 20 or 30 people in it. Now, I think the latest count, we're hitting about 170 or so, which, as you can probably imagine, means it's absolute fucking carnage day to day. There are hundreds <laughs> and thousands of messages. People do come in at the start and they're maybe a little bit overwhelmed by it, but I think it's easy enough to settle in. Uh, I've got a, the, the way I kind of go about it is um, if I come in and I see there's more than 50 messages that I've not read, I just skip to the bottom and try and pick up from there um, and hope that somebody's talking about something that I've got any clue about, um, which is either golf, Scottish football or politics. So I've got a pretty small world um, as far <laughs> as that goes. But what we did do, because we thought it's not really the most accessible thing for new people coming in, and we'd set up an Instagram account, uh, which you can find at uh, RACDG underscore GB underscore I. Not the easiest thing to find, but hopefully most of the people listening will already be on that. 
But when we did that, we got a lot of messages from people that had nothing to do with no laying up. So these were totally organic new members, people that were just coming basically out of the woods and wanting to join us. So straight away there, that's a totally new, different kind of member that don't get a lot of the in-jokes, don't get a lot of the shit that we're talking about straight away. So we decided the best thing to do is to set up a, a Discord server, which is almost a forum, an online forum with different threads, which means it's a wee bit easier for people to track, a wee bit easier for people to dive in and talk on. Pretty successful so far. I think we've got a nice mix at the moment. There is a WhatsApp chat that's always going. There's, I don't know, half a dozen regional WhatsApp chats. We've got a very chatty Scottish annex at the moment with about 25 other guys in it. Just as Crawford was talking about the majors we had there as well, there's also been God knows how many meetups through the years, uh, through the year at really, really good golf courses. I'm just off King's Course at Glen Eagles on Saturday there with three other flockers. Um, we've played North Berwick this year. We've obviously done the the Asterix Mackenzie Trophy in August up in St Andrews, where about twelve of us played the old course. Um, I've played. I, I, I might have brought this up once or twice. Um, I've played Royal Melbourne this year, so I'll, I'll maybe I'll maybe talk about this. <laughs> oh in God, a, no! And a it's not on the list. It's not on the list. Played Royal Melbourne. Um, bleep that out as well, if you want. Um, people still to listen, but yeah, we've got these other chats as well. But, so really, but, here, but here's the thing. But here's the thing, Gary. This is the joy of it, isn't it? But when you were over in Australia, you hooked up with Jamie, who was also a member who was in Australia playing as well. Yeah, and I'd never never met him. No, never met the guy before in my life, and it's it was a kind of weird meeting. Um, so I'm in. Melbourne with my seven-month-old son and my wife and I've somehow through this group arranged to play first of all Royal Melbourne with uh, a guy named Matt Mollica who's got links to no laying up but secondly Jamie Kenny who I'd never met never really spoken to uh, says I'll be out there let's meet up play a game down at St Andrews Beach another fantastic golf course and then I got in an Uber at 6.50 in the morning in Melbourne and just uh, typed in an address like 45 minutes away had no idea where it was where I was going who I was meeting, this guy could have been anybody. And then I get out of the Uber and he's just standing uh, outside of his car with one of these um, Panama hats on and uh, two big flasks of coffee. And he just I didn't know he had a Panama hat on. I'm no, not, not, I just not don't Panama, have a for that. No, not a Panama hat even. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the hat I was making fun of called again? The fucking... No. Right, the big fucking build ones, the ones that everybody's got. What, a sombrero? Oh, the bucket. <laughs> bucket hat. Yeah, oh, bucket, bucket hat. hat. Bucket I don't know why I said Panama, right, sorry. Yeah. Just right, get his okay. big, big bucket hat on, just hands me a cup of coffee, tells me to get in the car, and uh, locks the door. And that was me for a, for an hour, and we just drove down, chatted shit for an hour. By the time we got to the course, we're good pals, because when you're in this group in the first place, you already, you've got plenty of common common ground there straight away. So, yeah. and they had a fantastic day down at St Andrew's Beach. And uh, something we, we, we like to reminisce about every now and again. Now, that man Jamie played pretty much the whole sand belt down in Australia. It was utterly disgusting what he did <laughs> over a three-week period in Australia. And the jealousy and the vile and the vitriol and the hatred he got from that WhatsApp group <laughs> over that period of time for the... Quite, quite frankly, for the pornography that he was posting day in, day out in there, uh, was wonderful. That was one of the highlights of the group. But yeah, that's the other side but of the world. And one of the nice things about it, from his point of view, is like there's an awful, you know, he there's probably not that many people in his own golf social circle back in Ireland where he lives that would genuinely give a shit about all the places that he's playing. Like most of them probably hadn't even heard of them outside of Royal Melbourne. Whereas he can talk to us, and we're all geeking out. <laughs> Oh, friend! Oh, friend! 
the thing is there, Gary, you just said that's sort of one of the highlights of the group, but I think it'd probably be a good time to talk about some of the highlights that have happened in the group, if we can even remember that far back. Aaron St. Pierre, so, Crisps, talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly you can remember. <laughs> this just came up last night. It was the first time I've ever seen it. But for anybody that's not seen this, this makes absolutely zero sense at all. But a gif of, was it Matteo Manicero or somebody like that? Holding a putt at the open. And in the crowd, in the background, was one of our members, maybe eight or nine years ago, Aaron St. Pierre, with a big fucking packet of roast beef McCoys <laughs> tipped up to his face. It was like, it was like, what is it? Like, with a natty old bag, natty old Tesco's placky bag as well. Tesco bag that. hanging off him. It was like his face was a planet being engulfed by a black hole <laughs> of beefy goodness. And he was just disappearing into this packet of crisps. And it was, the timing of it is just absolutely perfect of him and he's got a bright pink polo shirt on and a Tesco bag he looks like somebody posted the picture of that early Amos Ethiopu or whatever the, the comedian's name excuse me <laughs> it was just absolutely golden um, so that's obviously recency bias but that was absolutely gorgeous um, Crawford give us a highlight from your side but the thing is that, the, that when I was, every time someone new comes in I tell them that like there's a lot of in jokes um, because when you get a lot of people who know each other and spend an awful lot of time chatting, things just come up that become very funny. Um, and um, <clears throat> like, so we end up with a bunch of things that are constant in jokes, like 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 Rob knowing that people are uh, close family friends. Close family friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was that is a highlight. <laughs> that, I will be. I will go down in history for that. Talk us through it, Rob. Oh well, just basically, I I don't know who it was. Grunt. It was Grant. Grant or, or Grunt as we've affectionately called him now. I do know who it was, but basically, we uh, love you, Grant. It's, it's not a, it's a term of endearment. There's a lot of not, love. There's a lot of love, but uh, I can't even remember when it was. But Tim Bart was, I think it was Tim Bart was interviewing someone on the course where you know they're holding the micro, microphone and they're walking down the fairway and he's asking loads of questions and he basically slated him. Uh, so I just put in there, yeah, Tim Bart, great guy, family friend. He did more backtracking than Paolo Medini in his prime over the course of the following five minutes. And it was the, oh, well, you know, no, I, I respect what he does. You know, he's really good at what he does. You know, he's just maybe not to my, I think he's a great guy. He's probably a fantastic bloke. Really lovely guy. Brilliant at his job, just not for Matthews, but that's probably my fault, Rob. That's me. That's me that's wrong there. So there was a lot, <laughs> lot of beautiful backtrack. So now anytime anybody does slag anybody else or uh, makes a point about anybody in the public eye, um, it just replies straight away. That's a close family friend of mine, you bastard. And that's it. <laughs> and that's how these stupid, stupid things are born. Speaking of there's which, RIP, Charles? Yeah, I was going to say, there's, 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 two, there's two things for me, that just cracked me up every single time in that chat. And I think it's one of those things you're saying, it's such a big group, you know, there's thousands and thousands of messages. I don't know if you've got the stats to hand, Gary. I don't know how prepared you are, but, you know, I can show you my fag packet. But the stats that, is it John puts in there? Yes, yeah, John, John yeah. leaves me feeling uh, you know, embarrassed the, and horrible the, about how I choose to spend my time <laughs> every single month. By there's a heat map, and all will say red by Gary's yeah. name yeah we're going for character limits but I think it's one of those things that um if you've been in there quite a while and you 
see some of the in jokes and i'm not i won't explain r.i.p charles i'll let you do it gary because it will be much funnier if you do it but i think every time someone leaves or says something and it's just hashtag r.i.p charles tell us what it is do you know it's quite heartless doing this in a time when a lot of old people are actually dying (laughs) so start with that (laughs) disclaimer right so genuine r.i.p to all the real dead people (laughs) but mark's got some work on his hand here (laughs) and your friend fucking balls out (laughs) but there was a fella named charles that came into the group and i'll disclaimer this right now by saying i really like charles he was a lovely. I love Charles. He was, <laughs> he was the he was the angriest old man I've ever come across. But you need my... that. You need a fucking. You need a proper curmudgeonly bastard in every group. And Grant's trying to be that man, and I can tell Grant's trying to be that man, but he's not real Charles, right? So Charles was a fella. He'd lived in London for twenty or thirty years. He'd worked in hospitals. He'd been through the ringer. He'd seen all sorts. Of, he's seen death. He's seen dismemberment. He's seen the worst of the worst and he comes into this whatsapp chat and he can't fucking handle it what does that tell you about our whatsapp chat right so he can't handle it so on one balmy balmy uh, april day he was getting into some sort of political argument not my type of thing i wouldn't know right but there was some sort of political argument <laughs> going on and um, then there was also an argument about scotty cameron putters or scotty cameron putter which he owned but then claimed about a fashion accessory, right? And if you're in a group full of golf-obsessed weirdos, you might as well call the Virgin Mary a whore rather than <laughs> call titleist Scotty Cameron Putters a fashion accessory. So a few people bit back at that slightly. A few people bit back. And um, he just he, he left the chat, and he left the chat... Right I know, I know, well, I, I, a few people bit back and then Matt took a rapier and just stabbed it straight through his heart. Look, the man was sitting on top of a building with a sniper rifle and he found Charles leaving the hospital in his crosshairs. Charles had just finished. He was one day away from retirement. His family would have got the retirement insurance payout after one more day. And he's walking out there with his papers under his arms, completely unaware. And Matt Webbs caught him in the crosshairs and took his fucking head off clean, right? He's taken like that head off boom. clean. Squashed him like a fucking watermelon right in the middle of that pavement there. And off he's went. He's left the chat. R.I.P. Charles. He actually, mate, I don't know if I've ever revealed this before, right? This is some exclusive content here. He messaged me a wee while after it. Um, I wonder if I've still got it. But he messaged me a wee while after it, basically just saying, you know, I wanted to be in that chat to have, you know, deep, meaningful conversations about golf. I'm not there to talk about stupid fucking putters and fashion bags. Um, I don't know what a fashion bag is. I don't if we're all kicking about with Jimmy Choo's over our shoulders, but it's like stupid putters, fashion bags, da da da. He's not there for it. However, I do still have an open welcome um, and welcome open invite even up in the uh, Royal Dornock if anybody wants to join. Well, that's me that's the thing. If anybody kind of forget doesn't didn't wasn't there during that period, he was a member of Royal Dornock, or he was he'd moved to Royal Dornock from England, and he was in the process of becoming a member at Royal Dornock. So we did for a while have a have a member at Royal Dornock that um, that we scared off. So. We've all been a little upset about we put that. that we put that down as a highlight of the group. I, I don't know if that is. <laughs> I um, love Charles. I believe... he, was, he was just... He, he, uh, is, everything... It turned everything last... into this an angry rant. 
the last message I had from him, I'm sorry, Charles, for breaking the Hippocratic oath here by telling people this, but he said, um, big groups of young men are invariably invariably populated by a large percentage of dicks. I'm calm. It wasn't really my demographic. Pretentious, moi. So, <laughs> whatever you want to make of that. Oh, it's classic Charles. It's classic there. Charles. <laughs> classic heads. Big headstone. Big Charlie headstone. Let's move on. So, in in our group, we have uh, a, a very successful head maker, head maker, head cover maker. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we do. That's quite cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was going to bring this up a little bit later on, talk of the flock or whatever, but fell in the group. So there's obviously so many people in this group that are obviously kind of tied into the golf world and they, they've got little side projects or jobs or anything like that. Um, we've got owners of golf clubs uh, with Ryan at the Addington, but we've also got uh, Matt McDonald, his name is, and he makes uh, custom head covers for golf clubs, which is great for him as oh, it, was a little, it was a side project that he was doing alongside his uh, Monday, Friday, 95. But things look like they've kind of taken off a little bit for him in the past couple of weeks because his head covers that he's made have been taken on by none other than Mr. Mastercard, uh, Justin Rose. So Big Morgan Stanley um, has taken three of the head covers from him, posted about it, tagged the guy in it. He's had hundreds of new followers, giveaways, competitions, that sort of thing. And um, it looks like any chance that we had at getting some free shit. <laughs> no, I know. The we'll, we'll be in the waiting list, bump to the end of the waiting list, six months now to get anything made. Fuckers. I hate people's success. Funny enough, <laughs> with, during, um, during, the, uh, during lockdown, you know, we all love uh, a fashion accessory for our golf. And um, whenever lockdown started, I don't remember who it was, but somebody discovered a company called Black Douglas up in Scotland. I think they're one of the outer Hebrides or something, making making head covers out of wool in a crofter's cottage. Um, and uh, so many of us bought so many head covers that their lead time for delivery went from two weeks to eight overnight. <laughs> So, so we we paid his mortgage off over the space of, of a few months or a few weeks, and then um, uh, and then you know we've always been looking for other people to come in and uh, and, and things that we can buy off them. And then Matt turned up with these ridiculously beautiful um, head covers that are all like handmade out of like sculpted stitched leather and stuff, which are just lovely. We actually when we did the the uh, the Heathlander. He did that well, one, we, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he we, we had him make one for the winner. And the idea is that the, it'll it'll be passed around from like winner to winner. So was it not made out of like Justin Timberlake's trousers or something? I'm <laughs> not <laughs> 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 completely miles off. <laughs> it was made of someone's trousers, the inside. I know it was, it was Ian Paul, or not Justin Timberlake. It was Polter, yeah. <laughs> what? 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 Oh, Justin Timberlake from <laughs> I didn't know this about Ian Polter you're talking about. Yeah, it was Ian Paul, it was yeah, a pair of purple inside. Ian Polter trousers he had. Yeah, and that made up oh, like really? the felt on the inside. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nothing to do with Justin Timberlake. I'm really not in sync with myself at the moment. Oh, oh. but it's so. But one of the things I was talking to um, um, uh, Barry Ross the other day uh, when we played, he invited me down to play Stoneham where Barry is a member, which is lovely, incidentally. Um, I was thinking we should do a little a little day trip down there with a bunch of us next year because it's a nice place. Um, but we were just talking about how we seem to be getting to a place now where there's a like an under society of like weird golf nerds in the UK and they're all beginning to end up in the group. They're either in it or they're hearing about it and they're starting to get in it. So we've got some of the guys from Evaluate Tina in there. 
Um, and people like Barry and Sean and Matt and stuff are Guys all from Golf there. Hubber as well. Aaron's involved in Golf Hubber, isn't he? Somebody's the, involved uh, in Golf Hubber anyway. Um, you've got some of the guys involved um, with the Lynx Diary as well and people that have got all sorts of their own Instagram pages, social media pages that are all kind of doing the same thing but in a different way so is that kind of bringing together all these weird little pockets of this underground well, sort of golf love the way i've kind of described it is that you you know you have in most you know golf clubs you've got the casual golfers who'll you know play once a month or something then you've got regular golfers who play once a week then you've got people who are just like golf obsessed who play all the time like two or three times a week and and then way way beyond golf obsessed people are complete golf pervert sickos and that's what we are um and and we used to all just hide in the shadows on our own and now we've all found each other and we're beginning to help other golf sickos find each other it's like a weird self-help group for people who have a problem golf fetishists I've never ever seen a group of humans being so willing to part ways with money for so much <laughs> tat in my life. Great tat, tat that's worth buying, tat that you can be proud of, but it's absolutely incredible. Somebody could literally say, I'm selling an iron co- a set of iron covers for 30 quid and within five minutes there'll be 50 orders for it in. It's what kind of what kind of what kind of iron covers? Sam you fucking start with the iron covers. <laughs> using that as recently, an example. Recently drawn out of a bin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely unreal how I mean we've had we've we've dipped our toes slightly in the merchandise side. Of I was just going to bring up the merch run. What have we got? Well, Lots of really so, cool hats. Yeah, so we we did it. We did a first run, which was. Um, hats basically um and then um i've just doing another sl- so I'm, I'm doing a run for the um for the american guys uh in america and part of that is i'm getting bull markers done by northern bull markers in newcastle um so i said to everybody Who's this that? afternoon on, on the group yeah i said on the group does anybody want me to order an extra one for like because i they're going to get delivered here and then i'm going to send them to the states so that i can get some done for the group here and like 23 people within an hour and a half had come in and sort of messaged me and said, I want one. So there's another 20 odd in that order for bull markers. But we're thinking about, um, so John Stearns, who's in charge of the merch at the minute, we are looking at doing another run of merch, mainly for kind of Christmas present stuff. So things you can wear, t-shirts, hoodies, those kinds of things. Um, Things that, yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, that's, it's a bit more complicated to um, maybe just some polo shirts as well, golf polo shirts. It's things are a bit more complicated because you've got to get sizes off people. Um, but there's a guy in the group again, um, uh, in and he owns a company over in like Worcester. Uh, that's like a really big um, company that prints stuff on t-shirts. He does like you know universities and schools and stuff. Uh, so he's going to do us a deal and print all of our gear off for us, and we're going to start selling that in the next couple of weeks. So for T-shirts, um, I had an idea of a T-shirt and designed on that T-shirt very artfully is the greatest scene that I've ever seen on a golf course. And if you'll afford me two or three minutes of airtime here to talk you through that story, I'd really like to do it. Uh, a lot of people I don't know have if we probably... have the time, actually, Gary. I think we need to, we need no, to move no, on no. here. Rob, we do. do we have the time? No, no, no we definitely have time. This We definitely have time. I've, I've dreamed, I've dreamt of playing the old course most of my most of my life since I was about 10 or 11 
And for whatever reason, I've never stumped up the, the money to do it. I've never felt my game's been in as good a position to do it. It's just never happened. And it was meant to happen in April when we got cancelled because of COVID. So we had an opportunity come August time to play it for pretty decent rates. And a group of about 12 of us uh, joined up to do that. So we got 7am, second, second group out on the old course in the middle of August in Scotland, 22 degrees, not an ounce, not, not a breath of wind in the air, just the most perfect. There, most... there was wind, there was wind in my face, off the left, there was lots of wind. Off the, off the left and the right, and it swirled <laughs> between your two shots, but it was, I, I had the immense, the immense pleasure, the immense honour of being the man who hit a shot in between Crawford's two shots off the first tee. So I've taken a rescue out. I've been really, really nervous about this all morning. I've had three poos, three nervy poos, right? I'm really nervous about this. And I've just plonked the rescue down 200 yards, big hook, plenty of space in that foot. No, so much space in that foot way left. You cannot go far enough left. Plonked what it is down. 159 yards on one side of the other? 154, 159 yards. So Crawford's stepped up to that first tee and his first tee shot... It was cold. It was early in the morning. They don't have oh. nets there. You can't prepare. You're just you're swinging. You're swinging blind. It's, it's if not you've easy. Ever, if you've ever stood in the first tee at St Andrews, you know there's a first tee. There's a little pathway where the first fairway stops. There's the putting green. There's a dual carriageway. KFC and McDonald's. There's a, a retail park. There's the beach, and then there's the ocean. Crawford's carried his first drive pretty much into somebody's sandcastle. Um, on 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 the fly <laughs> on his first swing. I I've got a little that. behind it. I've got a little behind it. I'll admit that. Glutes it... were not yet activated, unfortunately. And uh, I've then hit my shot. And then Crawford's reteed, declared this provisional Matt Wave. He declared it loudly and proudly. And then um hit it left. And it was one of those moments where everything just kind of stops. Everything kind of stands still a little bit for you. The world starts moving in slow motion, which Crawford swings slow as it is but it's even slower than that like really really slow motion and it was one of those like little duck hooks with a closed club face where the ball never really gets more than like 10 feet off the ground and you can just kind of see starting to move more and you think okay left hand side of the fairway not the prettiest but it'll work and it just kept moving and kept moving and then took a bounce in the road and at that point I think Crawford's arsehole was going 20p 50p 20p 50p at that point right that was when he started panicking a little bit and then it became real. Then we knew he was about to hit a fucking car on the 18th at the old course with his provisional ball off the first team. It wasn't just any car, it was a brand new Mercedes. Leathers, leathers the side of a Mercedes. We can hear it 200 yards away. The starter yeah. who's all likely all this, seen this, everything. There's no one around. There's just all those, all those stone buildings and it just echoed the noise. Just Boom! Huge echo up the fairway. The starter who's probably worked there for years and seen everything just kind of turns around embarrassed and just says, oh, that's not good. I'm on my knees. Everybody else is head in hands and Crawford just turns around and says, well, still in play because the car had <laughs> fucking bounced it back onto the fairway. <laughs> and off we went. And It's important to use what's at hand. <laughs> there, will never, there will never be a better opening tee shot on a golf course that I'll ever win. Listen, again. listen, there's two things I have to say here. First of all, it's important as the captain and, 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 and president of this prestigious organization to give everyone something important to talk about and to remember the, 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 the event. And secondly, 
standing up onto those tee box, did anyone else actually have the balls to pull a driver? I don't think so. I think I was the only one who stood up and said, I may be nervous, I may be shooting myself, but I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm going to pull the big dog out. I'm going to hit the disco stick. It completely paid off. (laughs) You made a great, great nine. (laughs) It's as good a nine as I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, look, you know, and even having hit the first one right, I still stuck with the same top. I didn't just take out a wedge and just bunt it down there. I'd gone after it with a driver. Got a little bit too after it. What was also fantastic about that round is we got to about the 11th hole and I saw you make a par at the old course without hitting a golf shot. (laughs) Well, that's a standard for me, Ken. Thin one, chunk one, (laughs) shank one, and then hole a putt for a four. And I was put, I'd, I'd played a nice what's, drive, a nice eye on like two putts. What's wrong with that guy? That's just golf. What's wrong with that? Is, well, why am I writing the same number down as you are? What, <laughs> why is this happening this way? But yeah, you that should, was... You should also tell them, like afterwards, that we had the perfect day, the beautiful sunny day. We played the old course the first time all together. And then afterwards, we had some lunch where um, Dave was not given any chips. And then uh, we went to Anstruther, which is a nine-holder. It was the opposite end of the sort of social scale. It's a, it's a nine-hole muni course in the middle of a town, which is Gary's favourite place in the world. Of course. And uh, um, played there. And um, uh, why don't you tell them what I did on the first tee there, Gary? So, Anstruther is this my favourite golf course. This is literally five hours after, after St Andrews. Phenomenal little nine-hole golf course, and I was really excited to show the guys this place. This is like my little piece of heaven uh, on earth, right next to the, the best chippy on earth. And uh, first hole, 280 yards, kind of up and over a little horizon, a little hill, uh, but up the right-hand side, it's all kind of boxed in with residential houses, and they've all got tiny little... Um, Tiny little stone fences run about three or four feet high, running all the way up. Again, you're talking hundreds, 120 yards of fairway to work with. A little bit of tight in Crawford's mind after uh, the first one of St. Andrews, <laughs> but got 120 yards of fairway to work with there. And he's hit one so far right, and I was playing in the group in front of him, so I'm standing on the second tee at the top of this hole. I can see this ball hurtling towards somebody's house, um, and it's leathered the top of their garden shed and plunked down into their garden. So Crawford, uh, a man in his mid-40s uh, wearing pink shorts on this glorious day of days, is now vaulting uh, over a stone fence into somebody's back garden and then basically searching about rubble. Uh, like he's looking for a needle in a haystack to find his golf ball on a big compost heap. He finds his ball, picks it up and just kind of gingerly walks through their garden like a wee boy who's just lost their football in the next door neighbor's back garden and climbed back over the fence to get it in place. So he's at a car and a garden shed off two different first tees in the same day. <laughs> that's how I play golf Gary it's never boring when you play golf for me you get, you literally get to see every single shot in the entire pantheon of golf I can scream one 300 yards down the middle and then I can fat it thin it hook it hosel adjacent it <laughs> it's everything so I'll miss I'll miss a 6 inch putt and then, and then make a 30 foot putt fucking hell I think we've got another Crawford rant coming up because I've just written down two words here, Cleave Hill, um, which is, I don't know, is that becoming RACDG's spiritual home at the moment? Um, It's a golf course that's been in the news quite a lot recently because there's rumours, there's words out there about it maybe possibly closing down next year, but we love it. We've got a lot of our guys have played it. So Crawford, do you want to talk to us a little bit about Cleave Hill, the course itself and why it's, it's important to us a lot? 
Yeah, it's um, so basically over in Cheltenham, there's like a, a the, the Cotswolds is a bunch of hills and they kind of end in the Severn Valley and there's a big kind of escarpment that runs along there and a place called Cleve Hill uh, and the golf course built by um, uh, old Tom Morris in 1890 and then some of the greens were redone by Alison McKenzie um, and it's just one of these kind of old-fashioned courses that you don't really get anymore where it's on a piece of common land so you kind of share the space with walkers and horse riders and guys on mountain bikes and people up on dates and people flying kites and, and all sorts of rubbish and you're out playing golf in the middle of it and it's not you know it's it's windswept and brutal and um the greens are kind of slow because they don't have irrigation and and um and the fairways don't get mown by mowers because it's covered in sheep and the sheep eat all the grass and uh it's the kind of place that's the antithesis of what modern normal most boring kind of club golfers would like and most kind of guys they want they go to a place that's a flat parkland up and down a field surrounded by a million trees and it's all like perfect and manicured and they think that that's a great golf course and then you go to Cleve and it's all like rough and scruffy and and they're like you know what's this this is weird but I mean to people like us that are into our golf and into the kind of history of it and the um, mainly the strategy and one of the else because like every time I've played there like five times now six times playing again the there again next week and it's um, like it's this great it's a great piece of strategy every time you play you understand okay I'm learning about this hole I'm learning how to play this hole I mean having said that I still can't do it because whatever I know I should be doing I'm hitting the ball off to the right and, and off to and the left and, and, everywhere, and everywhere else well, you can kind of you get you kind of get to understand that it's not like you have to be really like you can it's loads of space you can hit the ball anywhere you want off the tee but if you're not in the right place you cannot come in in a second shot it's just I don't know it's a great place the views are amazing I um, suppose we're just kind of like I suppose we're teeing it up at the moment no pun intended but we're kind of teeing this up because I think over the the coming months um over the coming period of time it's something we're going to keep an eye on anyway in terms of if there's anything we can do to keep the place open, um, if there's any more visits, any more organised trips down there that we can rustle together between now and when it's apparently going to uh, be closing in April. But it's certainly something I, I don't know. I think most people in the group um, have been across this and know what the hell's going on, but um, it's definitely worth looking out. And if you've got a chance to get down there or get up there and play that at any time before April, uh, I think they would maybe appreciate a few quid in their pocket just now. Yeah, and a shout out to Gibbo as well because Gibbo was the one who got us all onto it. That is just perfect. He's, he's, his parents-in-law lived down there, so he's been playing it for a while, and he was the one who told us that it was great. And we should go. And then Sean Arbel, who's um, a member of the group, who's a, a golf writer. Uh, he it's kind of his local course. He plays a lot, so he's he was being very, you know, positive of, of explaining its virtues to everyone. But yeah, definitely worth a, worth a go. Mr. Cross, out of the bush. Oh, he's not going to like that. Dress code. All I've got in, in my notes is dress code uh, rants. So who's going to rant first? Is it even... Because the, the thing is, usually when you've got a rant or when you've got one of these debates, there's two sides to it. But I think we're all pretty much on the same page. And it's just like, people fucking hate golfers, right? People hate golf that, that don't... People that don't like golf hate golf, okay? People aren't... <laughs> People aren't generally ambivalent towards golfers or golf. People either love golf or they think we're a bunch of snooty, posh assholes. 
and for the most part, that's kind of the feel that a lot of people involved in golf give off. Yeah, golf is a terrible outside of golf has a terrible reputation. And I mean, people, the, 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 yeah, well, I almost said that you know, people outside of golf think that it's full of posh, rich, you know, grumpy old men, which to a certain extent is true. But most golf clubs are filled with plumbers and builders and taxi drivers and policemen. It's not really, it's not really the kind of thing that everyone thinks that it is. Um, but um, but but then but we don't help ourselves with ridiculous yeah. things like golf, you know. So we go we go though, with the 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 dress code rant is is based on obviously Tyrrell Hatton played uh, two weeks ago now at the BG uh, PGA uh, and he wore a hoodie every day. Yeah. So personally, I, mean, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't wear a hoodie. However, you've got one on right now, fine. you dirty bastard. You've got one on, on right golf, now. Not on the golf course. <laughs> But I think I think it kind of spreads wider than that because this sort of thing comes up once every couple of months, right? There's some sort of dress yeah. code carry on, and I think it went. Somebody was somebody posted that they got refused and got barred for a course because they weren't wearing black socks and stuff. Ridiculous. And I'm just thinking, right? Look where we are just now, right? Everything that's happened in 2020, lockdown and all that. Golf is the one sport that's probably came out of all this in a stronger position than it did Absolutely. before it went in. There's more people playing golf in the UK now than there ever was before, um, certainly before lockdown. So there'll be more new players, more people trying to get interested in clubs and more people through absolutely no fault of their own just won't know the inside outs of all the rules, whether it's dress code, whether it's um, the itty-bitty technical rules that we all get caught up in. Golf has this amazing opportunity right now, in the UK especially, to kind of... <laughs> to, to paraphrase my good friend Boris Johnson, to wrap its arms around the new the new golfers, to wrap its <laughs> arms around everybody trying to get involved in the Barry, game. I can't believe I just heard you quote Boris Johnson in a positive way. I Elliot, literally will get that cut out. There, there'll be a <laughs> blue fucking moon tonight. He'll think about it. He'll be thinking about that, and he'll phone Mark and he'll say, "Please take that bit out." Golf <laughs> needs to open its arms. It needs to spread its legs, and it needs to invite us into the warmth of the golf course. <laughs> Okay, you know like, what's the, the thing? I get what you're saying. Do you know what's going to happen? All of these old bastards that run committees up and down the country are going to start congratulating themselves as to why they've now got you know full membership lists and why they've got a waiting list. Them. No, exactly. But they're going to think no. it is. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to start saying, "Oh yeah, it's because they're all going to be. Oh, we've we've run it so well. You know, we've managed it so well." Everything's great, and they're going to get worse. It's going to get worse rather than better now. Do you know another Guaranteed. angle to this? Do you know another slight angle to this? Right. Most golf courses in the UK were playing members only for a couple of months in June, July, whatever. It was only members, no visitors on them. And all these golf courses still had the same problems with divots, still had the same problems with pitch marks, the same problems that they blamed on visitors and the fucking riffraff turning up in their hoodies and doing And then they found out that it's all of their own members that are doing it. So maybe rather than concentrating on people wearing an extra little bit of material on their jumper, they could concentrate on the things that actually make a material difference. But I would play their material used twice. But the material <laughs> used <laughs> the material difference on the golf course itself. If we spin it slightly then and just it's not on the list, but we can talk about it. Is this sustainable for golf courses? Do we think that the boom now is sustainable and all those people that have joined golf courses because is it going to be sustainable? No, they're our not golf going to, clubs, most, most golf of them are going to renew again. To keep those golfers, no. No, most of them aren't going to renew again next year unless well, there's a there's a fundamental sea change in how people work. So if an awful lot of people 
are just going to start working from home now or going to or just working differently, working not, not doing a nine to five Monday to Friday, then I think a lot of people will start or stay playing golf. I mean, one of yeah. the things, the reason it's not that people aren't working, most of them are back now from furlough. It's just that a lot of them are working from home so they can change yeah. how they work and that's where they can get out to play the golf club, particularly in the evening. So if that continues, then that'll, then we'll end up with that with people staying in the golf course. But the minute people go back to the same problems they had before lockdown, they'll have the same solution, which is going to be being a roaming member somewhere, you know. Well, what's um, funny yeah. about it as well, even guys like obviously we're in a very quite decent position in our group that we've got an owner of a golf club in there and he can give us a little bit of an insight from yeah, that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And even even Ryan says that you can get you can almost have too many members or you can have too much interest or you can have too much play on your course as well. And it's, it's finding that, it's a bit of a catch-22 and it's finding that little speed slot there um, of having enough members to keep the money coming in but not having too many members that members can't get on, can't get times, can't get playing, the course gets overplayed and stuff. So it, it's it's finding that really, really weird little sweet spot in the middle there. But what, I think things as well, a lot, of, a lot of clubs don't know when they're full. Yeah. So I think my, personally my club is full every Saturday and every Sunday morning. But if you want a game on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, there's availability. So if someone wants to join as a member, but they're actually full, if you want to play Saturday or Sunday morning, then you're probably not going to get a game. But if you want to play in the afternoons, go for it. I think clubs, they're finding it hard to balance it. Yeah, well, I said it some the other day that like, like a golf club, some golf clubs can have 300 members and be full and some golf clubs can have 800 members and not be full because yeah. all of it's to do with how often those members play. So if you have 300 yeah. members of old boys who are retired who play three to three or four times a week, that's going to be a full club. Oh, but if a lot of those, yeah, but if they're if a lot of them are kind of you know workmen, you have it because it's a prestige thing that they only play once a month or something. It's not going to be that busy. But I was talking to someone. I was down at Cleve actually talking to someone at the committee in Cleve, and I was just saying about that this is a, a golf course on a on a common. Literally, you can be walking down the fairway, and standing right next to you is like a couple out for a walk wearing shorts and t-shirts. And you're supposed to be in trousers and, and a shirt, and you're literally ten feet away from them. Like that's total nonsense. And I said, "This of all places, this should be someone that has no dress code at all." And he was like, "Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I don't really want to see people up there wearing jeans on a Saturday morning." And I'm like, "Well, this is part of the problem. There seems to be this attitude that the minute there's the suspicion that the minute that you allow you 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 take, reduce the dress code and allow people to wear whatever, that there is some horde of imagined people." outside the gates of every golf club in the country all wearing you know wife beaters and jeans and trainers and the minute they're allowed in they're going to come crashing yeah. through the gates and destroy the fucking fabric of golf i'm like i'm not no, nobody's going to go up onto the golf course on a saturday morning in jeans because jeans are uncomfortable <laughs> gary said it in the group he was like um with with uh, the jeans i can't even think what i was going to say he carried on talking but what was kind of what i was kind of trying to get at was like who are we to tell anybody what they should feel comfortable in to take on a sporting endeavour that we've got nothing to do with. Somebody else's round of golf is absolutely hee-haw to do with me on a day-to-day basis. So why should I have any say if I'm in a golf committee or there's committee members or that sort of thing? Why should we have any say beyond what's reasonable, obviously, than somebody turning up in something that I don't deem to be proper or gentlemanly or anything like that? 
Like I just I think that that's that's why golf gets a reputation it does because it's some people that they, they like that little grasp of power and their little corner of power is being in a golf club and being able to kind of stand on top of their Mount Vesuvius and and dictate down uh, their rules to their members and the the whole the whole thing just strikes me as absolute nonsense. But my only genuine bit of advice, my only real genuine input to this, is any course any course owners out there, Ryan, I'm talking to you, get some of the old boys put them in hoodies, put them in white socks and shorts, stick them on the first tee, take some pictures, stick it on Twitter, do lots of fucking happy numbers and get lots of new people through the door for you. There's a bit of marketing oh, yeah. there for you. Old <laughs> men in hoodies. Up. There's a niche oh, yeah. for that. I remembered yeah. what I was thinking. I remember, There's probably I remember a porn site for thinking. that too, Gary. Oldmenandhoodies.com <laughs> But Gary, I think you were saying that you actually like wearing golf stuff. Yeah, well, that's it as well. Like, I, I like wearing. Same. It's, it, but it's this mad thing. Look, like, right, it obviously gets joked about quite a lot. But I can wear a polo shirt with like fucking big jizz stain splashes on it and stuff. I can wear polo shirts that look absolutely horrendous, but I can't turn up in a plain black hoodie. Like that's fucking mental to me. That's absolutely fucking mental. I can turn up in an Andre Agassi nineteen nineties retro Nike polo shirt that looks like somebody's had a paint party on my chest but I can't turn up in a plain black night hoodie and a pair of white sports socks. Like, that's absolutely baffling to me. Another, another discussion that I was in, and one of the guys said that um, Eric turns up every week with egg stains on his uh, chinos, but he's allowed to play. And <laughs> someone, so turns, someone turns up with a hoodie and they're, they're banned. It's like, right. yeah. But I was, I was crazy. A, a while ago, a couple of years ago, I was up at uh, Royal Cromer and I had a round with the captain and he was telling me that... Um, at one stage, he'd walked into the, the the bar and there was a young lad there, like in his early thirties, and he was having a sandwich. He'd noticed him a couple of times, just coming up and playing around on his own, like in a, in a late in the evening during the week or on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and he was in the bar and he had a pair of trainers on, having a sandwich. And some of the old boys come up to him as the captain and said, "You have to go tell him to. He has to go and change his shoes. He's not allowed in here with trainers." And he said, "There's no way I'm going to tell that person that he can't get out of here." He said, "Because that young lad." is getting used to playing this golf course. If he joins this golf course, we're going to have 30, 30 to 40 years worth of membership dues out of that guy. But if I go over now and embarrass him in front of everyone and tell him to go and change his shoes, he is never coming back to this golf yep. course again. 100%. No? So that wasn't that wasn't too many rants. I think we were all on the same yeah. page. And I think so you know I think, the, the main thing's been kind of thought of. It's obviously been done to death. And by the time this comes out, it will probably be old news. But it's the sort of thing that comes up every couple of months anyway. And I just think if you're yeah. comfortable, if you look decent, if you're enjoying yourself, if you're putting money into that club, if you're buying Mars bars from the pro, that's his fucking living right there. That's his. That's his bread and butter, those Mars bars. So if you're buying your Mars bars for the pro, getting out there and playing golf, treating the course in the right way, then fucking enjoy yourself. Yeah, I, I saw a thing the other day. It was a course in America, and it had, a like, on the website, a dress code section. And you went on the dress code, and all it says was, it would prob- it would be advisable if you wore clothes. Shoes are optional. That's all you that's need. All, that's all that's you need. All <laughs> and I'm like, brilliant. That's all you need. Let's have a quick look at Wayne here on the shot path three. Don't want to fall in this bunker. Talk of the flock. We've covered Aaron's crisps. What about R- R- Rod's uh, Rod's two under? Rod's two under. Yeah, go for it. Best part about it is he hadn't declared. I know he wasn't. With, he wasn't with another member, was he? He was just on his own. If he um, had but, declared, um, he wouldn't have shot two under. No, he wouldn't have done. But then also, um, but he went out. I think he said he was at the range today, and he said he literally couldn't hit a hit a ball. It was going left, right, 
third thing and that's goal. <laughs> that is goal. We had a hole out eagle. We had a hole out eagle from 170 odd yards as well with a five iron for a two on the ninth, which makes these things a lot nicer. But I think in general, that's kind of what we want to do is week by week, if we're talking about this sort of stuff, we want to highlight the great stuff going on in the group. Guys get out there playing golf, playing cracking rounds. They, we, we often talk about the RACDG bump. Um, and I yeah. think that's what that's one of the again one of the best things about the group. People genuinely give a shit if you've went out and played a good round of golf. I can come home and tell my wife shot by shot what I've done, and uh, I don't even get the fake smile anymore. I almost sometimes get a nod, like sometimes like some sort of weird head movement, and um, and then right back to the Real Housewives of fucking Nashville or whatever. But we've got a group worth of guys that like are genuinely excited and happy when other guys do well at golf. And that's something that makes all the difference to some people. And the bump is real because people are going out thinking, if I do this, I can't wait to tell the guys. Big Les uh, from the Netherlands, lovely big fella, broke it. I'm just talking about him like he's dead. Lovely big fella, God rest his soul. (laughs) R.I.P. Les. But Les, Les was out playing the round of his life with just some random fucking guy that couldn't care any less and he'd never shot 80 before in his life and he got to a point towards the end of that round where he was sneakily setting up cameras to take short videos of each shot so he could tell us about it because the guy that he was playing with could not give less of a fuck and he holed about a 15 foot at the last there was about four feet of break on it and when it dropped I genuinely fist pumped on my couch for that guy <laughs> when that putt for a 79 drop <laughs> that and was the, a great day the group was going wild at it that's, that was one of the highlights of the year actually that was that was great because it had been the second time because he'd done one before where he'd missed the putt um, and, it, and it, it didn't make it and then it was about a month later when he did he broke 80 for the first time everyone was so happy about it similarly there's another there's a guy called Steve who um, uh, who joined the group in August he's a friend of I think he's a friend of Rod's or uh, maybe uh, I joined in August um, and then he happened to be in St. Andrews this, the week that we were there playing the old course. So he came down to play the old course with us and he played in the Mackenzie. And uh, so he'd, only been in, he'd been in the group, like, yeah, been in the group like two weeks or something like that. And he won the Mackenzie. So he was, he, he went home and a big smile on his face and I like, said to his wife, I can't believe like I've just turned up into this group and I've won like a trophy already. And, and the way it works is the winners of the four, we have a committee and the winners of the four majors every year get to be in the committee for a year. So he'd only been in the group for two weeks and now he's in the committee. Um, and then he had a, so that was after that. Then he had a hole in one about a month ago, which is his first hole in one, which he's really excited about. And then yes, was it yesterday? Yesterday or day before he, he had another hole in one in, like, at the same time. And then it's today, the then today he went out. The today he went out and he shot twenty seven points. <laughs> I was really happy for him in August. Still kind of happy for him. In the first hole in one, second hole in one, diminishing returns. To be honest with you, diminishing returns. <laughs> bit greedy. Oh, Stevie, you've had enough now. Stealing my golf mojo. Bit greedy. Hi, it's Iona Stephen here. I just wanted to get in touch, you know, to wish you the best of luck, Matt, up at Woodhall Spa. Should we have a little bit of a preview uh, about what's coming up next week? Because it's the uh, it's the shot our annual annual championship to find the champion golfer of the year, which is yes. in Devon this year in Royal North Devon and Saunton West on Sunday the twenty fifth and Monday the twenty sixth. There were originally fifty six of us booked to go down here to do this. There are as of right now twenty two, twenty three, twenty two. 22 so Which um, is, I'd say that's still pretty impressive numbers considering the circumstances the travel bans uh, and yeah, all, all everything yeah. going on round about it 
that's it. Pretty much, yeah. Those twenty-two people are all pretty fucking deter- determined and dedicated. Because there is a lot of reasons why we should all just be saying, "Let's just forget about those boys and do it again next year." But most of the people who are left are probably guys who are just like, "No, fuck it." Unless I'm getting arrested on the road on the way down there, I am playing this goddamn match, and I'm one of those. I'm like, I can't. So much stuff has been postponed or cancelled this year. I just can't. If I can, if I unless unless I'm getting arrested, I'm going. And what I will say um, is behind the scenes as well, you especially for the shirt Crawford, there's a lot of work and a lot of organising and a lot of planning that goes into these things as well, especially when we were dealing with 50-odd people, maybe slightly yeah. less now at 20 or so, but there's a lot of work that went into making this happen, especially given the circumstances that are happening just now. So yeah, it's probably worth is, your while very much to do it. There's been an awful lot of work goes into all of the events and also, so now, so now we've got the four majors. We're now starting to do other ones, which we're calling the WGCs. So the Bernard Matthews Invitational is a WGC. <laughs> There's another WGC taking place that's going to be up in the northeast in Bamberg Castle. In I think we're going to have April one time. in Glen Eagles in March as well, because we've now got round oh. about 20 heads for Glen Eagles Kings course, uh, the only course that matters in Glen Eagles Crawford, I'm sure you'll agree. Oh, the Glen Eagles. Course. Well, there only are two, the Kings and the Queens, right? Yeah, and then there's the the uh, PlayStation game course, the virtual course uh, that they've played the Ryder right. Cup on. But uh, we played it on Saturday. There are just four of us. Phenomenal course, outstanding condition for this time of year. First green, we had a, somebody five putted, somebody had a 20 foot putt. <laughs> Big grunt, big grunter, uh, big, grunt, big grunter Mayhan, uh, five putted the first hole, which is incredible. Uh, and uh, uh, Matthew Pitton, uh, really, really nice guy, great easy company in a golf course, put his uh, first approach shot to 20 feet and then had his third shot from about 55 yards. Um, <laughs> degreened it and rolled it all the way down a hill and I've never seen a sight in a golf course like a man um, putting his putter back in his bag picking a wedge out and then wandering down to his ball while just muttering fuck's sake under his breath over and over again so with a five putt and that happened but fantastic course the Kings course Um, so I think we've got about 20 of us going up there early March and that's enough to declare a WGC yeah and um, so when I so then you know so all of these things take an awful lot of organizing and what's been really fun is that um you know it, it normally in golf societies what happens is that one person just has to organize it for their year um and they kind of do it on their own but because we're all really nerdy a lot of people just get involved when doing stuff so john arshad um has been instrumental in a lot of the majors of getting involved and he's the one that's building the tote and he and aaron are doing all of the golf harbor stuff with um doing the live scoring so that everybody can see it. And the live scoring is really fun because when you're out playing, you know what everyone else is doing, you know where you are. And we all get really serious about it. Like at the cock, we didn't really make that much content because we were all concentrating on trying to play good golf. You were in the process. Absolutely. Lost in the process, I might say. Um, and uh, I was pretty lost in the process until about the 14th hole, wasn't I, Ross? <laughs> and then... Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The wheels came off. You got excited. John Arshad does a, a lot of, lot of, lot of the more technical work for the group. And I've never met John and I've never met anybody with a bad word to say about him. But in my mind, he's a very, he's like a sarcastic robot. He's like a computer. <laughs> he's like a, Not too a, far from the truth. A computer that's like easily the smartest guy in the whole group. But also, he's like paranoid Android. Like he's just a very <laughs> sarcastic computer. And I say that in the, like, in the most well-meaning way possible because he never fails to make me laugh but 
he sits and does the spreadsheets and that for who chats the most, who does this, who does that, puts the totes together and stuff. And I'm like, A, I've not got the time to do that. And B, I couldn't even if I did. So he's like yeah. a supremely, supremely talented man. Oh, yeah. And somebody and really good to have on the teams. That's it. So we end up with having everyone kind of get involved and trying to help out and make the events as fun as possible and putting lots of time and effort into it. Another one is um, that's your friend of John's uh, called uh, Joe, um, JSW, Joe um, uh, Smith Walker, I think it is. Um, and uh, Joe, yes, Sam Bagger, Joe. But Joe, um, on the committee, his role is kind of events person, events director or something. So he tries to help out whoever's organizing an event he tries to get involved and help him make the event as good as possible. So he's the one that's like goes off and, and, and gets all of the, 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 the gifts and the presents organized and gets all of the little goodie bags that we get. He does it's all unreal. of that. It's absolutely yeah. unreal the effort that people put into this. But, but Joe does all of that while also being a Royal Marine. Uh, and uh, and in, in between golf events, he's shipped off around the world to go and chase bad guys. Um, <laughs> he's away at the minute. Actually, you can't go to the shut because he's off chasing bad guys. Um, same, same. So, yeah. Um, Do, doing my marine work up here. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Physical um, specimen. I just wanted to make Crawford happy. Talk of the flock. Bob Emerson, big Randy Bob Emerson, right? The only things he says in the chat is a when's Rory McIlroy playing, and he's <laughs> the man. The man has an obsession with Rory McIlroy, the likes of which I've never seen before. Or B, he posts pictures of himself drilling golf balls at his big bastard house. <laughs> no, no, if, if you have, if anyone has seen these golf balls, he's hidden a three wood in a, in, a, in his garden through a, a gap that's like ten foot wide, and he can only hit the gap if he can cut the ball through the gap. And if he misses it, it's going straight through the window. And he's just hammering his ball. There's a window fitter somewhere in Ireland that has had his pension pot topped up immeasurably by Robert just it wasn't even three woods he was out hitting fucking flop shots over his roof the other day as well the 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 testicles on that man to be able to do that on a and, and take videos of it as well and I'm assuming it's first takes um because I don't the see any damages and, and he's not he's not divorced yet right so I'm assuming it's first <laughs> takes but uh, yeah I just wanted to highlight that Robert really enjoy them keep keep those absolutely mental videos coming because my heart's in my tits every time and um, I see one load up <laughs> to see what's going to go wrong next but that was just that was the last little thing in the talk of the flock as I said each week we want to just kind of highlight all the weird and wonderful shit that's going on in our little society so uh, I mean I think that was a good run for the, the first week Phil for the win after 18 holes 200 yarders don't fuck me over now mate well, look, it was all definitely a conversation that happened and uh, we enjoyed having it and I hope that you all enjoyed listening to it as well. Uh, well done if you've made it this far. Hopefully we'll be back in the next week or so with a, a little bit, maybe a shorter and maybe a little bit more refined podcast. But as far as the first go goes and as far as this sort of genesis of the RACDG and the breakdown of what it all means goes, I think we've done a pretty decent job of capturing it there. If you've got any feedback for us, please, we'd love to hear it through all the normal channels. Any ideas, any suggestions, anything you'd like to hear on the podcast as time goes on, again, do let us know. Next time, we'll take a look at the new World Handicap System, and I'll try and I'll try very hard to present an idiot's guide to that. We'll also probably look ahead to the Masters, we'll look back at the shut, 
and some of the other events coming up as well, like the big trip up north to Muirfield. So there'll be plenty to chat about next time um, we decide to sit down and record one of these things. But for now, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you all very soon. If you smell what the flock is cooking. It's fucking embarrassing. Bye. It seems to me he lived his life like a top flight in the wind. Never get into the green side when the rain set in. And his footsteps will always fall here along Donald's lovely hills. His WhatsApp died out long before his message ever will. R.I.P. Charles, I love you.